first up, we have Nick Pollock from uh, from K2 Fly. Nick, you're the the CEO, and uh, you have a sort of a, a collection of the extremely well-known resource companies uh, from all around the world on your client list. Some of which uh, originate from my home country in in South Africa. You uh, also share a surname with the South African cricketing royalty family, the, the Pollocks, uh, so you're immediately in my good books. Uh, I'd imagine that you'd, uh, given your line of business, that there are many big companies out there desperately trying to discover their operating rhythm in the in the new normal, or what, what people are calling the new normal. So we'll pass the controls uh, over to you for the presentation now, Nick, and, uh, yeah, look forward to hearing more about your offering and growth plans. Thanks, Warwick. I should probably point out that the the, the only thing I probably share with Sean Pollock is a touch of red hair. Um, uh, not not a lot of uh, talent in the cricketing field, <laughs> as much as I'd like to. Struggle for years trying to do that, but uh, that's probably uh, and and probably some ancestry if we go back far enough. Um, so we'll, thank you, everybody, for for coming to listen to this. We'll skip over the disclaimer. Um, yes, that, thanks everybody for uh, for taking the time to listen to our story today. Um, we are at a very, very exciting stage of our, of our company's uh, evolution, if you like. We're relatively young, listed in November uh, 2016 uh, and on the ASX and um, certainly in the last 12 months we have been experiencing very, very rapid growth um, and uh, notwithstanding, of course, the, the typical V in the middle of that graph that you can see on the right-hand side there, uh, which was obviously the COVID, the COVID effect. Um, but I'm really pleased to say that uh, you know, as of the last few days, we um, we've actually uh, the share price has actually got above our pre-COVID level. Um, so, uh, like a lot of organisations, we bounce back very quickly, um, probably better than most uh, in in a lot of instances. Uh, but we're sort of sitting at sort of you know two thirds of our previous price, which is unfortunate because before the before the event. Our price was just um, ratcheting up really nicely over over over, over time, and, and I'll talk a bit about why in a bit. But um, certainly, the cork's been taken out in the last few weeks, and um, and I think uh, a lot of that was to do with our results that we just shared with the market in the last few days uh, for the end of the year, which gave us a, a very strong last quarter where we were cash flow positive to the tune of about six hundred sixty thousand uh, dollars free cash after the quarter. Um, and you know, record invoicing, uh, as one would expect from a from a small company like ours, but very strong growth on our revenue side as well as controlling our costs. Uh, and we now have a healthy position in the bank uh, of around three million dollars, with another one million in receivables, uh, also brought about by some options that were exercised at twenty cents uh, in May. It was interesting because the um, the price at that time was sitting around twenty percent, uh, twenty cents, and our shareholders saw fit. And believed in the story enough to, uh, to to buy at the same price or exercise those options, which uh, gave us a, a nice cash injection too. So we're in a healthy cash position. Um, as as Warwick pointed out, I'm the chief commercial officer. Um, I've been 25 years in enterprise technologies all around the world, starting off at NatWest Bank in the UK, uh, and then since moving back to Australia, uh, spent 10 years in Sydney working in supply chain systems and banking systems and e-commerce. Um, but also since coming back to Perth about 15 plus years ago, have pretty much been focused on mining software technologies uh, across the globe uh, and in some very senior roles across the biggest uh, mining software vendors out there. 
So certainly have a very good understanding of, um, of where uh, the market's at and what it's looking for um, and have sort of uh, honed that skill over the last 15 years and that's starting to really take effect in some of the acquisitions that we're making which uh, were probably technologies and opportunities missed by some of the bigger guys. Brian and I have worked together before uh, when I was at Mincom, when I was president at Mincom. Brian is a very seasoned uh, technology, enterprise technology exec executive originally out of the UK, a very strong in utilities particularly and, and consulting at senior levels across utility organisations. So we worked together whilst uh, I was heading up Mincom in, in Asia Pacific uh, and Brian was one of my biggest and most successful partners in, in Europe. Um, so that's where that relationship was forged and we came together again a few years ago to uh, create uh, K2 Fly initially with a, with a consulting focus but increasingly with a software focus which is really what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, so Brian brought me on board to build the software business. Um, so you can see that right now, you know, if you looked at this a few years ago, it would have been all of the uh, right-hand side, which was uh, implementation and consulting for enterprise technologies, predominantly in utilities. Uh, in the last year or so, we've grown the software as a service business, which is really what most of our um, investors are looking at. That's the part they value. Uh, I won't go into the, I mean, most of you would know, know and understand the beauty of the recurring revenue streams that software as a service provides. Um, and increasingly, you can see that we are not just providing software as a service, which is now according, uh, taking sort of over half of the revenue of the business, but that's recurring revenue, uh, but also the quality of the customers that we're getting on board. That's by no means all of them, but um, we have uh, a pretty, pretty enviable list of client names and each of these clients are dealing with us on a global basis. I'll explain that a bit more later. So just a quick uh, wrap up of the year's performance given that we're just, just literally in reporting season right now, so it's all very timely. Um, as a software as a service business, what's really important to us is a couple of key metrics that we, that we follow uh, and, and certainly our sophisticated investors follow um, and they are annual recurring revenue streams and total contract values. So the top left-hand graph, you can see that our um, annual recurring revenue uh, streams quarter on quarter are, are experiencing a really, really lovely shot uh, in terms of the growth on that. So last quarter, we had an exceptional quarter to finish the year where we did about 500,000 net new uh, software revenues on top of our existing revenues uh, in new business. Uh, which gave us, you know, a really lovely 177% annual growth rate in our in our software as a service business in terms of the annual recurring revenues. So the beautiful thing about that is that all of those contracts will re-sign next year. Well, they don't have to re-sign. They, they'll sign up for generally three to five years. I think our average contract is about 3.2 years now, which sort of takes us nicely to the graph on the top right-hand side, which is the total contract value. So that's a function of um, your annual recurring revenue times the term. And you can see... Uh, the two lines separating quite distinctively in October uh, there, which is the, the top line is the darker line, that is the TCV. So that's when we started to, uh, our customers started to sign up multi-year contracts with us and that was a, a really important turning point. So our, um, our total contract value is um, rapidly approaching 8 million and above and growing rapidly uh, on top of that annual recurring revenue. But that obviously from an investment perspective gives you a lot more comfort as to the, um, I guess, the, the, the long-term nature of our contracts and obviously the predictability of our revenues and the ability to grow and base our business on that, on that revenue base. 
Uh, a lot of people were very, very excited to see, uh, as I touched on earlier on, that the uh, cash flow positive in the last quarter. You can see that in the bottom right-hand corner. Uh, obviously, breaking through strongly on um, on on the uh, cost cost side of the equation, which was pleasing to see and a very healthy outcome. Um, and then on the bottom left-hand corner, you can see how our invoicing has grown rapidly in the last uh, four quarters, so three years uh, over time. So our business, what is it we do? Uh, so as I said, today I'm talking predominantly about our software business. Um, so we have quite a carved out a quite a unique space for ourselves uh, in technical assurance um, for our clients. Uh, predominantly those clients are sitting in the mining industry uh, and what we're helping them to do is deliver better outcomes in their environmental, social and governance um, outcomes for their shareholders, their stakeholders and the communities that they operate in. So I think we, we have a view that mining is essential uh, to the world in terms of the products it produces, uh, not just the products that produce the things we all rely on like phones and cars and computers, but also the products that will make a more sustainable uh, future for all of us going forward. You know, uh, wind farms, et cetera, et cetera, copper for, for, um, and, and all the battery materials and things like that. So you can't have any of that without mining. So we're of the firm belief of the value of mining. However, we believe that the mining industry can do a whole lot better in the way it talks about itself and presents itself and the way it manages its stakeholders and, and its uh, communities, etc. So we have a series of solutions um, that we, we offer to the market that deal with that. I'm going to start on the right-hand side. So um, the resource inventory uh, piece, so that's uh, a resource governance. So that is basically reporting the inventory of the mining companies to the stock markets and regulators via the annual reports. So that is today probably the most highly regulated um, information that comes out of any mining company. It obviously represents a very, very important chunk of the value of any mining company, a la my tonnes grade um, versus the ounces or tonnes that, that I have in the ground and what I'm, what I'm mining and the, the prevailing price of the day gives me really the value of the company. So that's a very traditional idea of value uh, for any mining company. That's not about to change anytime soon um, and it's fundamental. It's also highly governed because of the nature of the fact that you, know, you as investors sitting here can't tell what is under the ground you, and therefore there is a lot of regulation and governance around how that information is reported to the stock market. We manage all that and then we report it. Uh, or we provide the software that helps the companies report that to their shareholders. Really, really important stuff. So that's a traditional view of value. On the, the things to the left-hand side are rapidly evolving uh, forms of either value creation or value destruction, depending on how you look at it. And there's some very, uh, unfortunately, there's too many uh, examples of value destruction. So on the left-hand side, we have land access in and around exploration land access or operational access. Gaining access to land is increasingly difficult in this environment uh, where you have all sorts of stakeholders who have um, uh, you know, social media platforms and, and, and the ability to, to uh, get, get their message out there and heard, not unreasonably, uh, competing for that land uh, and the use of that land. So making sure that you have your basic uh, fundamental access permits, obligations and licences in place is fundamental to being able to do anything and getting that right. And making sure you're also engaging with the community on that is important. Um, clearly we've seen a lot of uh, news lately about um, 
what happened in the Pilbara with the Ducan Caves uh, and the unver very unfortunate uh, destruction of that cultural heritage site. Uh, we have applications and solutions that specifically address that uh, very, very problem. Um, not, you know, when I say not specifically that one, but obviously the issue in general in terms of how how mining companies and other companies uh, communicate and and relate with their stakeholders jointly to to map and manage those those archaeological and cultural heritage sites to the best effect, such that everybody is transparent and and knows what's going on and can avoid potential disasters like that. Obviously, anything to do with rehab is important in terms of bringing the mine or what's left of the site back to what we talk about as net positive impact. So we don't want to just leave. Um, fill a hole in the ground and leave it as it was, we actually want to be delivering uh, outcomes for communities which were better than they were before. So that could be uh, in communities, in the land itself and how it's performing and, and what you can do with the land. Uh, dams and tailings, another very, very big uh, newsworthy item right now. I'm sure most of you have read somewhere in the long line about the tailings disasters, particularly in Brazil, but not limited to Brazil, and the tragic loss of life there. Um, and uh, you know, 246 people lost their lives in Bromindo, um, and terribly. And the focus from the investment community, and as well as other stakeholder groups, on making sure that those sorts of things don't happen again. So a lot of this comes back to just basic sound monitoring, but a lot of it is also uh, in and around the governance that these organisations place on the information and how that information flows from site to the corporate level, the executive level, and in the board level, such that things are either recognised, dealt with, and done, or not, which is unfortunately the case in some of these instances I've just talked about. So we're making sure that that information is travelling up the chain, it's being signed off, and the right people know about it at the right time to avoid those things. We work closely with international, global sort of uh, megas like SAP, who sort of pretty much own the uh, ERP space, in particularly mining, oil and gas, uh, as well as many other industries globally. They are a fundamental partner of ours. Esri is our global, the biggest GIS or for most of you mapping software out there. So we work closely with those platforms in order to deliver our solutions. Um, so just quickly underpinning all of these things, I've touched on most of them, are foundational uh, parts of our technology solution that, that deal with governance and compliance according to the, the various regulations. In Australia, on the resource inventory, we have JORC, for example. In Canada, that's called MI43101. In the US, it's SK1300. So we deal with that sort of governance and, and what the requirements are, are around those things. Same with uh, tailing stamps, you have regional codes, uh, which, we, which we will engage with. All of these um, solutions rely heavily on stakeholder engagement, how I'm communicating with all stakeholders effectively, um, such that we're not having disasters like we've talked about. And same with permits, approvals and obligations is fun fundamental. And bringing those things together in, in a single system rather than siloed systems. Uh, from a technical point of view, everything we do has the option of being a geospatial or map first interface with, with our customers, which is the much faster and better way to work. Uh, workflows, analytics, security, integration and up and reporting. So just in terms of the growth story, particularly in the last 12 months, you know, sort of 14 months ago, there would have been one red dot in Perth, Western Australia. Most of our customers were sitting in WA or Australia at best, um, had a very big um, position in FMG, which we continue and very proud of our relationship with Fortescue. Um, 
But in the last 12 months, we have signed up um, global behemoths like Rio Tinto, um, Vale, Glencore, Newmont, etc. Um, so what that does is, is we're collecting data from all of their sites. So when we sign a contract with these guys, we don't just get um, you know, site A in the Pilbara of Western Australia. We're actually reporting on everything uh, in their portfolio, and that is fundamental to the, the governance and, and the, the quality of the reporting that, that they end up doing. So they have to get all of their material sites in order to report. So that, that's what I would call the plumbing in this instance about how we get um, all of that data uh, into the system and then report on it to the market, which opens up tremendous number of different use cases. So our customer is generally the most senior people at corporate uh, from a geoscientific perspective or indeed some of the other areas that we're talking to in and around land use and access, which are often in the same corporate office. So we, we tend to have whole of contracts from the very start with massive upside. That's just a quick snapshot of um, all of our customers. I'm going to jump over that quickly and just turn that into something a bit more meaningful. Um, so if we look at the commodities markets that are going very, very well right now, uh, gold clearly, I'm sure you all know about that is invest, active investors. Not surprising in when times are uncertain, people go to gold. Uh, so K2Fly currently is working with five of the top 10 gold miners in the world. Uh, what that means is that we're reporting probably 58% of all of the gold ounces that, in the, that come out of that top 10, which is most of the market, if you like. Um, so a very strong position in the, in the gold space. In iron ore, we work closely with Fortescue, as I've talked about, a global relationship with Rio Tinto, and we're just kicking off a project with Barley, who is the biggest iron ore producer, which a lot of people don't realise. Um, even though they have some challenges right now, they are bigger than Rio Tinto and BHP in, as it pertains to, to iron ore. So we have a very good position in that market. And obviously, going forward in a COVID world, um, then uh, you know we have to be cognizant of the fact that let's focus on the things that are working well at the moment and, and the market is still recognising value in those particular commodities. Notwithstanding, we also have a really great position in industrial minerals. We have uh, Orano and Sabelco, two of the top 10 industrial minerals companies, both based out of France and Belgium, who are huge. So in terms of our addressable market, um, you, know, we, you know, if you look at currently we're talking about uh, you know, $2.5 million in recurring revenues. Okay, so just to re recap that, so um, we believe that our addressable market is you know, in the $250 million uh, annual recurring revenue stream side of things. Um, if you look at where we play today, uh, you know, our sweet spot is particularly, uh, we would say, in the, in the top 100 to 500 sort of mining companies in the world. There's roughly 3,500 mining companies in the world. We're not terribly focused on the juniors right now. A really sweet spot right now is that top 50, uh, where we have, I think, about 58% of that top 50 uh, as clients. So that's that sort of shows where we play, T1, T2. Um, and obviously, we're looking at global deals uh, across those organisations, which would easily uh, get us to that $250 million. Not overnight, but uh, it's certainly the way it's growing. That That's not out of the question by any means. Our go-to-market is uh, up to now has been direct. Um, however, if those of you that are following us, you would have seen some pretty important announcements in and around a, a recent uh, partnership we announced with uh, a company called Decipher, which is part of West Farmers. Uh, so we're partnering with Decipher in and around a tailing solution. We're also globally partnering with SAP, as I mentioned, but SAP are pushing the, the 
joint tailing solution, which will be on their platform, and we'll be using Esri for that as well. We, we also work with a lot of stakeholders and influencers in and around where we play, which is obviously constant communication with regulators, boards, proxy advisors, and, and the like that are influencing the direction that these markets take. So just in summary, I think I'm pretty much on time. Um, so we are in, uh, going through this rapid growth right now uh, across all commodities, uh, so not limited to, but particularly in tier one organisations. Uh, our revenues are growing and our contract, um, annual growth rates are, are phenomenal. Uh, a lot of our contracts are in US dollars. I think about 45% of our customers are actually in North America now, but obviously we have customers all around the world, as you saw before, including Europe. But the, uh, the spread of contracts in AUD and USD gives us a bit of a hedge as well. Um, we are playing pretty much exclusively in the markets that we play in. Uh, that notion of technical assurance, particularly around resource governance and then the governance of uh, land and, and things like that, complementing uh, environmental, social and governance uh, initiatives in these organisations is, is kind of new, but we're coming, from a, coming at it from an old, established, very uh, highly regulated uh, uh, position which has got a great deal of gravitas and gives us a lot of credibility when we're talking to customers about our new solutions or existing customers. So we're basically aiming to own this technical assurance space uh, and help our customers and the communities they operate in to do a whole lot better in terms of their environmental social governance uh, and make um, their, their stakeholders very happy with what they're doing and everybody can uh, benefit from mining and the outputs of mining. We also have plenty of opportunities to move into new uh, uh, solution offerings, which we are doing right now. Uh, not least of which is the oil and gas market, which has very, very significant and similar issues, and our technologies and, and solutions fit nicely into that. So that's probably a five times the size of the market we're currently playing in, at the very least. Um, I'll take questions now if, if anybody would like to ask anything. Yeah, thanks very much, uh, Nick. We'll run straight into the questions. Um, a couple from Tony and Leon, um, just asking about the competitive landscape. How do you um, how do you view uh, view yourselves there? Where do you stack up? Who the competitors are? Yeah, it's it's a good question um, and a typical one. Um, as I said before, we we have very little direct competition. So when it comes to the mineral inventory reporting, we have zero competition in the space, which is why we're getting this massive take up. We've had one major a month for the last twelve months take up our solution. Um, what we're competing with there is internal processes and the likes of Excel and that kind of thing. But as more more companies know about us as an alternative to that, which is risky uh, and, and is a worry for the board, then the more companies are coming to us. So we don't have any direct competitors in that space. In terms of our solutions across land management and ESG, we have lots but none because the main difference for us there is in the solutions that we do, that we deliver, they're all integrated in a single technology platform. So we, we will have sort of siloed competition in some of those spaces, but not one that, that addresses an integrated solution across the enterprise like we do. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, question from Matthew, uh, just explain how your uh, contracts are set up. Is there room to, to upsell or cross-sell or are they uh, more sort of fixed price um, ongoing? Oh, yeah, fantastic. I mean, when you look at that addressable, that big addressable market we're talking about, absolutely there is room to cross-sell and, and upsell. So uh, a lot of our uh, resource governance 
customers right now. Uh, we're now rolling in a new module in and around the reconciliation of the mining process, um, which will be an, an additional module in there. So yes, it, all of the solutions, uh, we will start at one of those solutions and then we will push the other solutions into that, so the top 50 to 100 mining clients and grow uh, those, those, those customers within that contract. Um, so okay. we start off with a three to five year contract with an initial solution and then we, we add more into that as we go. Okay, very good. Uh, two Peters, different Peters asking uh, a question about risk. Um, what uh, sort of what what risk exposure do you have? I guess if something does go uh, does go wrong at uh, one of your clients' um, operations. Yeah. So uh, the, I mean the the, the sort of rules of, of play, if you like, for enterprise software vendors like us, are that we provide you with the technology in order to do this, but it's your it's your report. It's your report. It's your outcome. Um, so you're, you're, we sell you the car, you drive the car. So um, you know we, we take responsibility for making sure the car functions properly. Uh, but you know what you're doing with the tool uh, is up to you. So that's generally the protection that we, and that's that's very typical. This is a mature market in that respect. Um, uh, you know it would be very rare for a company such as ours to be exposed to that kind of litigation. If indeed you know, let's say a tailing stam failed, that's that's not our tail exam. We give you software that helps yeah. you manage that. It's it's not it's not mission critical for that. Um, look, we've got lots and lots of uh, additional questions that have come through that we'll feed through to you, Nick. But perhaps just uh, a final one to finish off with um, from from Sean. Uh, what's uh, what's next on the horizon? Any new solutions um, that you're working on uh, this year? Yeah, so so basically, uh, we have just soft launched our reconciliation solution. So that sits very nicely inside the, um, the the reporting of the resources and reserves. So that's if you like, if you think put it in accounting terms, you know, you got your, your your budget and your actual uh, your your budget is is what we're telling the market about what the inventories are in the market. The actual is the reconciliation, if you use that analogy. So that that's out now. So we've got a great deal of interest in that. Uh, and the tailing solution is uh, we're taking to market in full flight uh, now as well, it, it literally sort of in the current weeks and months. Uh, and then we've got some really, really nice things coming after that as well, which we, we, I can't talk about just yet. But they are, there are plenty of other things that we can that we are bringing to market. Very, very good. Thank you, thank you very much, Nick, uh, for your time today, and best of luck with the. Uh the second half of uh, of 2020, there were uh, a number of additional questions there, which uh, we'll feed through to you, and um, you can go back to uh, go back to those uh, investors um, in your own time. Uh, but thanks very much for that today, Nick. I was just going to say that the COVID crisis has not really impacted our business. If you look at our Q3 and Q4 results, we continue to sell and deliver our solution. And one of the big things is that we can deliver remotely to our clients wherever they may be in the world. So that hasn't impacted our business at this stage.